Let me send you a letter, young man, about my eight years of exile on the Isle of Corsica. Welcome, everyone, to another book review, and I've got some stoicism for you. Yeah, yeah. This is Letters from a Stoic by the one, the only, Seneca, the younger. This book, why did I want to read it? Well, I quite like stoicism, and it's actually been a while. I've really only read one of the main works by Marcus Aurelius, Meditations, and then also a little bit of summarizing by Ryan Holiday in a couple of his books. So, I went... It's about time I actually read one of the actual main sources, one of the greats. So, Seneca was a statesman, a philosopher, a advocate, man of letters, and was born in Cordoba, Spain, around 4 BC. So, he was, yeah, I don't think I'll explain too much about him. Essentially, lived a very, I guess, almost glamorous life leading up to being an advisor for two of the Roman emperors, Caligula and Nero, I believe, uh, but also had tough times. He was exiled for eight years on the Isle of uh, island of Corsica, and he lived to the age of roughly about 68 or uh, 69, I believe, and these were a bunch of letters written by him to his friend uh, Lucilius, and so this book is the Penguin Classic Robin Campbell uh, translated edition. So, that's actually important to notice uh, because one, there's 124 letters and this book only contains 40 of them. So, he was a bit selective with which ones he chose and which ones he didn't. And it also depends on the translation. I've talked about this before, but the way someone translates something can actually be quite difficult. And he actually mentions in this, you probably need translations uh, roughly every 50 years or so because the words, the timing, the language changes, even just in English, that something that was written, let's say in 1950, I probably would read now and go, oh, that doesn't sound too, you know, doesn't flow super smoothly. They use words which are outdated and which don't have the same context, the same meaning. So, it's quite interesting that that, uh, that exists, that language can change so much. But onto the book. So, the book is, I guess, these collection of his letters and they're I would say moralizing, uh, talking about his own philosophy on how to live a good life, mental pitfalls, illness, death, vices, but also some of the lighter things on how to live um, uh, with with pleasure, how one should view friendship, society in general, and serenity, peace. So, the, these letters usually range from a five or six pages to some of the longer ones being, um, you know, 12-ish pages. And they're, they're written in a style where they were made to, made to be published as well. So, um, it's important to, to keep that in mind. The general themes though, well, philosophy. So, he talks a lot about philosophy and not particularly Stoic philosophy, but he was a Stoic. So, it, it sort of translates as, as being Stoic philosophy. But he calls it um, or, or insinuates that it's the most vital pursuit and also is it an imperative? Is this the most important thing that one can do in one's life? So, he, he, I guess, argued that everything should be viewed through its lens. So, no matter what sort of person you are, no matter how uh, your position in life, philosophy is the key to, to living a good life and behaving in a manner which is, is, I guess, best for everyone. He doesn't put it in that particular terms, but there is this sort of general undertone that if you are a Stoic, if you're a philosopher and a Stoic philosopher at that, you will be able to live the best life possible. And he argues that it must be a devotion. So, everything should be viewed through its lens. You can't be a, you know, weekend philosopher, just going about your normal nine to five, 
and and doing whatever your your work job during the week and then on the weekend behave as if you have read the works as if you uh, uh you know are tackling the deeper issues no he's he sort of argues it this needs to be a constant thing and your your family life should be through viewed through philosophy your actions how you treat the random store clerk should be viewed through a philosophical aspect so uh, he's He's very insistent on that and he's quite dismissive of, of, I guess, the other ways that people would normally live. So, uh, you know, gaining knowledge through liberal studies, he's very dismissive of. The making of money, also very dismissive of. So, that sort of comes across in this work. So, if, you, if you're not particularly into philosophy, you're, you're probably going to feel a, a bit taken aback because he is very insistent that philosophy is, is what you need to be focusing upon. He's got a, uh, there was a particular quote in letter 53 and in this particular book, I believe it was on page 108 or 103, can't even read my own writing. And he talks about what what philosophy is, is for. So, he, I'll, I'll read this out in a second. Yeah, 103. So, he's talking about, here we go. So, what is philosophy for or what what can it do so philosophy's power to blunt all the blows of circumstance is beyond belief never a missile lodges in her she has strong impenetrable impenetrable defenses some blows she breaks the force of parrying them with the slack of her gown as if they were trivial others she flings off and hurls back at the sender so in that he's sort of saying this is the main purpose life is tough and philosophy is a way of moving through the the hurdles or the blows that life will deal with you uh, will, will send your way and you have a way of of dealing with this whether this be the slacking off of the gown uh, of the gown and moving things or taking it full force and on the front there's i suppose philosophy is the mental way of of partitioning the the different problems you'll have in life and sorting with them correctly the second theme that I got from it is the living of a good life. So, this should be the outcome of philosophy. And there seems to be an equal measure of not doing the bad things and doing the good things. And it just depends on your personal aspect of which you emphasize. I think he was pretty even-handed in this where he's talking about, you know, some of the vices that people uh, have, some of the uh, mental ways that you can ignore your, even your own good advice or those of your of your loved ones or counselors but also uh, these things definitely are good and you should do these things which are these are more related to the sort of health aspects such as um, taking you know uh, strolls through nature eating correctly not overgorging so that yeah that's where it's like maybe don't overgorge but also eat healthily at the same time because you can take it to either extreme so he emphasizes, I suppose, a pretty even mixture of the two. Other people, Jordan Peterson, for example, I'd say is almost like a modern-day philosopher. He emphasizes more of the the not doing the bad things. So, at least, because it, it's hard to know what is good, and and uh, but we all sort of agree, okay, this is bad. So, just if you've got to start somewhere, don't do the bad things. So, just depends on, on your personal preference. I like the pretty even-handed nature of this, but also can understand people like Jordan Peterson when they say you know life is tough and you if you're starting out and you don't not really sure you don't have enough information start with the things which are pretty obvious to most of us so my personal observations what I like about stoicism is there's no overarching theme I, I feel it's 
it's it's very hard to to read a stoic book and like i've only read a couple so i'm not super well versed in this area but out of them i've never come away thinking you have to follow this particular one core precept which cannot change it it does seem that they they do emphasize the the i don't know plurality the paradox of life where some things are good in some situations and then other situations that same advice or the same actions would actually be detrimental and not a good thing to do. So it's sort of almost like small snippets leading to a maxim, which is what Juan and I have talked about. Juan has his maxims where he'll take different, um, I suppose, information sources, pieces of, of wisdom, and then sort of try and collate them into what he would describe as a maxim, something which is, a bit more rock solid than just say the fleeting advice of a friend or whatnot. And I think that's actually potentially the, the best thing about of it, uh, about Stoic philosophy. It's not super ridden hard down. This is what you have to do. It's more the process of developing a philosophy. That's what I really like about it. You can take different aspects from it here and there, and you can create your own philosophy. It's sort of what Nish was saying with his, with his Uberman, I guess, philosophical aspect. Once you lose, uh, you know, if the masses have lost Christianity or that overarching theme that binds us all together, you need to be able to create your own. And I think this uh, Soak philosophy does a good job of that because it's it's not super insistent on you have to believe this. You know, you don't have to believe in the, so, like they do have some pretty far out there ideas if you're talking about um, nowadays what we talk about. So, they have some ideas related to the soul and to, I guess, like re, almost rebirth in a sense, but you don't have to particularly believe that. And if someone says, oh, I'm a stoic, you don't immediately assume, oh, so you believe all these X things about the soul. I like that. I like that a lot. Another observation, he does a lot of complaining. For someone who's stoic, he does a lot of bloody complaining and about others as well. It's not just about his own life. It's about you know, the people who gorge, the the man who um, has a, a hot bath that's so hot, it's it's almost unbearable. And he's, he's talking about all these different people and he comes across as quite unstoic. You know, why does he care? <laughs> there's, there's a time and place for judging people, uh, for sure. I don't think it's, I don't think a, a world where we have no judgment is the, is the best sort of world. But there is also times where it's like, man, you're, you're just beating a dead horse and no one really cares. Um, you know, why Why do you care so much is, is probably a better question. And uh, I, I feel this is, yeah, probably one of the downsides of the book is that a lot of it is him, what I feel is just complaining without any real practical benefit. Maybe it's it's useful just to to put into context of how... I guess, depraved the Romans were getting and, you know, maybe it was, maybe if it was so outlandish, so in your face, a lot of the things he talks about, then maybe it's like, okay, I could sort of understand it. But coming from a historical aspect, you look at it and you go, ah, okay, whatever. So, I didn't particularly like that. And it's also slightly artificial. So, I, I mentioned before that he was sending these letters to Lucilius and the what I could gain from it, which was... Um, you know, it's it's sort of hard to tell because the letters aren't 1 to 124. They're 1 to 40 in this book. So, um, the author has skipped places and, you know, it's it's his progression over time, I guess. And 
I would say that the first letters are a lot more enjoyable in sense of the reading of them. They're a little bit shorter. They have a pack a bit more punch and I don't think they've written as much in the form to be published. So one of the things that he actually did and why he wrote these letters was for them to be published. So even though he's sending a letter to his dear friend Lucilius, he's not it's not written in the sense of a letter which should only be read by Lucilius's eyes. It's actually like, here Lucilius, here's this letter. I'm sending it to you. Can you go publish this please because I'm exiled on this island. So I I didn't particularly find it genuine. So it it's not that it was wrong or incorrect or it, yeah, it just lacked that little bit of personal touch, which you'll find in meditations, for example, by Marcus Aurelius, because he wrote that for himself. Most scholars agree that was never meant to be published. And so you're getting the genuine things that he wrote just for his own eyes and whereas this one was written more for an in, in, intended for an audience as well which puts a different flavor on it so my summary it's an easy to read translation in modern language i really appreciated that it contains the gems of wisdom but for me not as genuine as other works and you'll notice that more towards the end as well where i think the later part is more they're longer they contain less um advice directly to Lucilius and they do have the feel of a a narration a you know something to be read out in in front of lots of other people it simultaneously shows the knowledge gained from age but as well I would say is the grumpiness so the that's where I would say his complaining sort of starts to kick in a little bit and he's you know talking about the youth and their decadence or the the power and what it does to people and you know, for, for me, I just got a little bit over it, to be honest. So, I'm giving the book Letters from a Stoic a six and a half out of 10. Another recommendation from, from me is Letters 77 and 78 are bang on. I really like those ones. If every if the book was written in just the style of those two, I would have given it a much higher rating because those two letters, which dealt with, I believe, sickness and death, were fantastic. So, if you have to, if you only have time to read, Two letters, read those two, 77 and 78. What's something pragmatic I'm going to take away from the book? Uh, I'm actually going to use his style of quoting. So, one of the things he does is he'll talk to Lucilius and then right at the end, he'll say, now, I know you're looking for your gem. So, basically, he was saying Lucilius was wanting a quotable thing. And sometimes he'd have his own quotes and sometimes he would uh, appropriate them from Epictetus uh, a lot of times, for example, and this was something I was a little bit unsure of in my own practical life. You know, should throughout the immortal moments we use other people's quotes and and you know, feel okay to put them on our own sort of platform? I was initially hesitant of that, but nowadays I'm like, well, if it's good enough for, for Seneca, it's good enough for me. But you have to expand upon it. Just stealing someone's quote and putting it on your page with no explanation, uh, I feel that's that's kind of wrong. But if you can... If you do that and then have some sort of explanation or how that applies to your life or just adding upon it, that's that's you putting your own personal spin on it. So, I feel that's more okay. So, that's my pragmatic takeaway. That is my opinion of the book, Letters from a Stoic. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you become more stoic after this and can endure the harshness of life. What would help me enjoy the harshness of life is if you give this video a like, a comment, or a rating if you're listening by the audio version. That's it for today. 
Chiron the Stoic out.